This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Track Stars. Hey. Hey, Mike. Do you know that this is the hundredth time that I've done this? Really? That, I think it's actually a hundred and one, because you just did it just now, and then we had to start over because we forgot to clap. That's true. Oh, if we're going to count the mistakes then i've done this like 300 times yes yeah i guess so but the fact that i still have to look it up shows you (laughs) Uh, that's the way it goes but this is episode 100 of our show of standard orbit yeah and uh i know that there have been some impressive episode 100s like uh earl gray comes to mind and earl gray there 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 was the the big role-playing thing we are going to top all of those. Are we? Yeah. How are we going to do that, Michael? Well, since this is uh, an original series podcast, we figured for the 100th episode of the of, of Standard Orbit, the original series show, we should talk about everything in Star Trek except for the original series. So like a normal episode of Standard Orbit? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Yeah. But this time, TOS will be the off topic. Yes, yes. Which means we'll probably (laughs) talk more about it than anything else, right? Yes, if President has anything to say about that. The the idea is, you know, hey, okay, we've been talking about TOS for 99 episodes now, right? So there's a lot of other Star Trek out there, right? There's only 110 episodes of tos that leaves 600 something of everything else so maybe it would make sense for us to kind of talk about what some of our favorites are outside of tos maybe uh, to give some ideas to other tos fans who maybe haven't seen the other star trek shows of which i'm sure there are many people right who listen to trek fm who have only seen, seen tos yeah who've only seen tos I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, so we thought we would just do that. We would go through four categories: best single episode, best multi-part episode, favorite, favorite, or best. Okay. Sh- sh- should it be? Should it be? Uh, I don't know. I always see. I always have a problem with that. Like to me, like there's people who you know they say like oh. I have that's a guilty pleasure of mine, you know. That that movie's a guilty pleasure, you know. I I love this thing. It's so bad, but I love it. And I'm guilty of doing that too, but at the same time like I don't know, to me, especially when you're talking about something which is designed primarily to be entertainment, if it's entertaining you, then is that really a bad thing? Right. Well, I'm not going to describe any of these as well, 
most of these as the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the best will have the same conversation that 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 we have that everyone has about. Oh, the best episode of Next Generation is obviously this. You know, I, I don't want to really go down that route. I mean, we can, but but I like the idea of the favorite, like not necessarily the best, you know, not the inner light, but, you know, like your favorite episode. Inner light is not the best episode. Well, no, I'm not saying that. It's actually not good at all, but that's not it's important right good. now. It's good. It's good. It's, it's funny. Okay. It's, it's a good middle of the road episode, you know? I was surprised at how not great it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people love that episode. I'm sorry. That's uh, it's fine. It's now they've alienated all the TNG listeners. Eh, you know, <laughs> whatever. They don't listen to this show. Um, this is all about the original series, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, okay, well, okay, best, favorite, whatever. I have trouble separating those. Okay. I really do. Um, but, okay, let's let's talk about whatever whatever that means to us. Uh, what so what what four categories did you have in mind? Best or most favorite single episode, favorite or best multi-part episode, um, best favorite movie, and favorite best series. Okay, that's not TOS. Right, right. There's the catch. Yeah, that's really the catch with the movies for me. Oh, yeah, for sure with the movies. <laughs> More than anything else, yes, the movies, for sure. Because yeah, I, I'll say got... this, I'll say this flat out right here of all, if you're breaking down movies as a category in terms of best of whatever, then I'm pretty sure with all four of these categories, um, the original series movies are top, top the list for me. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah. So, okay. So where are we at here? Should we start with single episode and work our way to bigger and bigger things? Yes, yes. The we'll Notice go longer I didn't and say longer. Bigger and better things. I just said bigger and bigger. Okay, <laughs> but I think they they are for the most part bigger and better, with like one exception. Right. To me, anyway. All right. Okay. Best single episode. What have you got? Uh, all right. Or it, favorite single episode. Yeah. This mm-hmm. took me a while. Because I didn't want, I mean, we could talk best of both worlds. Well, no, we couldn't. That's multi-part. And that's the thing, okay? I that's mean, here... the thing. That's the other catch right. is best I... single episode. And and the reason the reason why I suggested that, doing multi-part and, and single, is because it's like, well, the the best episode, you know, is uh, that, that I can think of as part of a multi-part thing or is a multi-part thing. How do you separate that? And if you do separate it, does it no longer become the best? Then you're talking about something which isn't the best because it's a single thing, but you're not talking about the whole thing. So, yeah, it's complicated. Okay, so my favorite single episode, I, I it, this was really hard for me. What I had to do was I had to clear my mind of all Star Trek and and keep TOS down and see what rise to the top. And the first episode that bubbled to the top and stayed there was Cause and Effect from TNG. <laughs> That's a very interesting choice. I would, n- I would not have guessed that in a million years. I, I think it's because it's one of those episodes my dad had on tape. And you so, watched it again and again and, and again? And I watched it again and again. Just like Cause and, and Effect. And again and again and again. 
during the episode and then watched the episode again. Yes. Uh, it's just to me, I, I don't know. I like I like temporal loops. I like uh, you know, Edge of Tomorrow. I like uh Groundhog Day. Just temporal loops make me happy and and cause and effects makes me happy and it's got kelsey grammar in it i mean only at Mm -hmm. the end for a few seconds but still it's kelsey grammar and i love watching ships explode and it has the d explode the same explosion from like five different angles and that's that's cool for me i don't i mean for people who may not know it's an episode from i believe season five of the next generation Mm -hmm. and it is about the enterprise and they're going along doing their thing and there's like a freak accident and it explodes and then it resets and you see the same events play out but with slight differences and then they've got like deja vu resonant you know like residual memories from the last loop yeah and then the enterprise explodes again and then it resets and it keeps on doing that throughout the episode and then the big question is how are they going to figure this out how are they going to stop blowing up the enterprise d my my only real issue with it is the fact that troy doesn't save the day you'd think it'd be kind of her thing and Mm -hmm. or guinan you know because because in the next favorite which would be yesterday's enterprise which again is one of those weird things like we were talking about last week with trials and tribulations you know, a lot of people's favorite Deep Space Nine episode is the one that's is one that's not Deep Space Ninety, and everybody's other favorite episode, uh, what's the one I'm thinking of with Cisco? He's a fifties oh, writer. The Visitor. No. Oh, Far Beyond the Stars. Far Beyond the Stars. You know, we've got Far Beyond the Stars, and it's not really DS Nine episode either. Yesterday's Enterprise really isn't a TNG episode because it's, you know, in an alternate reality, kind of like how Enterprise, some would say the best episode, or the Mirror episodes, and they don't take place in that continuity either. Uh, but I, I feel like this is a TNG episode. It, you know, it, it's got the techno babble, you know, sending residual waves to data, uh, data so that he saves the day and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I really like it. And it was the it was just the first thing that came there, and I flipped through all the episode titles for all the other series, and I just couldn't. Nothing else jumped out at me like that. It, it is a really good episode. Um, I I always I always enjoyed it. <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those things where at, at one point when I was just discovering Star Trek when I was like thirteen years old, I was kind of like fascinated by the idea of like what was involved with making a television show mm-hmm. and as sort of like an exercise for myself i don't know exactly why i did this but i actually watched the episode and wrote out the entire script like longhand <laughs> it took me like a week to do wow but it was i don't know why i did that exactly but it really sort of like signaled to me like what it is like that that is involved with the writing of a script and and the the you know creation of a of an hour of television, I don't know. It was interesting. You, you picked a weird know. one. Yeah, I There's don't a know. A lot of repeated lines. That's true. That's true. 
Um, but yeah, no, I do like that episode a lot. It's it's one of my my favorite uh, next gen episodes as well. Yeah, it's cool. So so it was your pick. Uh, my pick, you know, I, I had a hard time because there was the whole multi part thing first, but then in addition to that, there was uh, you know, just sort of like a general tough decision based on you know the 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 various series which are out there you know i mean i knew it was going to be either something from next gen or ds9 you know i knew for sure because those are the two that really stand out for me in terms of like you know quality uh episodes that i grew up with and everything so yeah i mean partially i guess that favoritism thing was coming in instead of the best thing like Mm -hmm. i knew it would be an episode which i knew backwards and forwards right it kind of had to be and um in the end i after much debate and much struggle like the episode which sort of rose to the top like you were saying was kind of a, it's always been one of those episodes where i'm like why do i like this so much but the more that i i talk about it and the more that i hear other star trek fans talk about it the more that i realize it is a favorite amongst a lot of people and that episode is lower decks from next ah. generation season seven this is the episode where um it's basically told from the perspective of the younger crew members the the non bridge officers in the traditional sense i guess uh you know ensigns and Mm -hmm. and and stuff and i think i love this for a lot of reasons one it's really good in terms of world building you know almost all of star trek is seen from the elite's perspective. And I think it's really interesting to see a tale told from the perspective of sort of an everyday person, you know? I mean, there's a thousand people on that ship and it's kind of cool to see what most of them are are thinking when they, when they are going through the motions and you see these crises or whatever. And I, I love how, you know, it's really constructed from their perspective. It's not just about these characters, but it's told from their perspective. And, you know, the the plot of the episode is very similar to most next-gen plots, especially involving, like, diplomacy and stuff like that. But unlike those episodes where you get the conference room scene, you know, you, you don't get that at, at all in this episode. Instead, we just get bits and pieces of what's going on uh, based on um, what is sort of overheard by these three or four crew members, you know, and uh, that that speaks to a lot of things. One, it speaks to uh, the necessity of the conference room scenes and how it doesn't exist. You can it, it speaks to you know the the strength of uh, the 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 concept, I guess, of of this show and not just the characters. And uh, it also speaks to sort of like what what's going on beneath the surface and how big this universe really is. And by that, I mean just what's going on on the ship, you know. So I don't know. I love all those things. And I also really love the characters that they created for this episode, um, especially Ensign Cito. Jaxa, I think, is is a pretty cool character. Um, and yeah, I, I, I want to see more with her um even though she theoretically dies but she was theoretically going to come back 
on Deep hmm. Space Nine, but that didn't happen. I I haven't gotten that far yet. I do feel oh, bad yeah. picking best episodes of series I haven't finished yet, but... So you haven't seen Lower Decks? I haven't seen Lower Decks. Oh. I keep conflating it with the Voyager equivalent. Yes, uh, which was called... Um, Basic Train? No. One. Yeah, I, I know what remember. you're talking about. It's the one where... Uh, Basically, Tuvok has handed the the people and and yeah who who have been like undisciplined or whatever. Yeah, same same writer by the way. Um, but and that that is a good episode of Voyager. But this is substantially better. And that thing that I was saying about uh, Encinito Jaxa, mm-hmm. that's not I, I don't you, I don't know what I'm talking about. There. I've it's I've read the synopses. I know. What's oh, right. Okay, it's like you saw Trainwreck. Mm-hmm. I saw Trainwreck too, and there's that scene where they're talking about the Usual Suspects. I don't, you remember? I don't that? even remember that. No. Have you seen the Usual Suspects? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, spoilers, spoilers for the Usual Suspects. No, no, no. But I I'll, guess if you've I'll, seen Trainwreck, we're gonna buy it on Blu-ray. It's fine. Okay. So you've seen the Usual Suspects? Yes. Okay. All right. Many times. Because there's the thing where she's doing like the walk. Uh, when, when she's hooked up to the machine and you can watch like what's going on with your muscles as you walk. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And she says, who am I? And she mimics Kevin Spacey <laughs> from the end of Usual Suspects. And she's like, it's, it's Kevin Spacey from Usual Suspects. And Bill Hader's like, what? And she's like, oh, because at the end, it turns <laughs> out that he's Kaiser Soze. Have you seen the Usual Suspects? And he says, nope. She's like, okay, don't worry. That wasn't a spoiler at all. <laughs> If you've seen The Usual Suspects, if you haven't seen The Usual Suspects, that is the biggest spoiler in movie yeah. history. Except, the joke. you know, that everyone's already spoiled it yeah. already. Se- a second time that Judd Apatow has done that, because he also did that, he spoiled the ending of Lost for me with This Is 40. <laughs> yeah, I remember you complaining about that. But, uh, you know, what can you do? So, yes. Lower decks. Lower decks. It's a good choice. It's the usual suspects of uh, non TOS Star Trek <laughs> shows. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's move on, shall we? Yes. Best favorite multi part storyline. Okay. This one again, it was the first thing that jumped in my head and and I wanna I wanna bring it up because I wanna talk about it. It's Year of Hell from Voyager. I really, really, really like Year of Hell. And it's mostly because I feel it feels the most like what I hoped that Voyager would be. You know, more like deep, more like Battlestar Galactica, where it's, you know, we're we're down, we're low on rations. The ship took damage last week. It's still damaged. You know, entire decks are blown out, you know. Uh, maybe not that dark but that's what i wanted from voyager like we're on the other side of the galaxy and we're, we're gonna have to conserve our resources you know we've only got 32 photon torpedoes or however many tuvok says and we need to be we need to be careful about this and you know just every episode hits the reset button and so you know oh, we're fully compliment you know no one's ever hurt and no one's ever sick and i i like your of hell because of that i like kurtwood smith and i think that he made a he made a great villain again outside of RoboCop. Spoilers for RoboCop? No, he's obviously the bad guy. 
Yeah, you know, um, I have really mixed feelings about Year of Hell. I mean, I guess on the whole, I would say that it is the best episode of Voyager, and yet I find it to be infuriating because it hits the reset button. Right. It literally hits like like there was a a button on the side of Kurtwood Smith's ship. Where you labeled reset. Labeled reset that she rams the ship into. Spoilers for Year of Hell. It's okay. I mean, it's one of those things where like I'm watching it and I agree with everything that you're saying. And it's like, yes, yes, this is amazing. This is amazing. And you hope that when you get to the end, it's like, well, that was a year. And it's like, well, this takes place in the 24th century. It's not like we need to line it up with current events or whatever. I mean, this this isn't K Street we're talking about here. It's Star Trek. We can do whatever we want in like, terms of timelines or anything. Like how Battlestar skips ahead a year. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, outside of the box thinking that, you know, in terms of like timelines and stuff. I mean, that's something that Star Trek could totally do. And they don't, they don't, they never do. I mean, it's, it's really kind of, uh, disappoint, disappointing in a lot of ways because there was so much potential there, you know, and, you know, you hear like, Brandon Braga's original idea to make that like a season long arc and you're like oh my god that would have been amazing but then they needed to make it a two-parter and a two-parter which ultimately doesn't mean anything because it doesn't have any lasting impact and that to me just kind of sums up Voyager which is like all of these great ideas which they just could never follow through on I don't even blame them. I used to blame them, but then, you know, I learned a thing or two about how television works. You know, I blame the the studio and and the network for sure. But, you know, it's just disappointing. I mean, I, I do think on the whole it is the best episode of Voyager, but I'm extremely disappointed by Year of Hell. Extremely. I, I, for me, I would rather see the potential and you know to see what could have been instead of just imagining what could have been like oh it would have been really cool if we'd seen voyager do this well we do see it do that it's just compressed in a really really small space yeah and that's fine you know i'm totally okay with that and i do like seeing that as well but then i want to see what happens next and we never get to see that and i'm picking these as episodes that i could just pick up put in and be perfectly content with and then turn off and be done with the series or whatever. And I feel like, uh, you know, I could pick up and put in year of hell and be content and be happy and be like, all right, cool. Good. But do you not have like a sense, like when you're, even when you're watching the episode, let alone when it ends, where you're like, Oh, uh, you guys just kind of messed it up at the end there, didn't you? It's just that you had it. All, it was, and, oh. I don't watch. I don't watch the end. How about that? I just turned. You off. just cut that off. Sure, why not? <laughs> kind of like Fair Bambi. Enough. You know, I've never seen the end. Of, you know, yeah. Bambi's mother's still alive, right? I think Bambi's mom dies in the first act, right? Yeah, that friend's joke okay. really doesn't work. <laughs> That's okay. That was a friend's joke. Yeah. Oh, Phoebe had never friends. finished like the the whole subplot of that episode is Phoebe never finished all these movies because her mom had just turned them off because they were too sad. Gotcha, gotcha. That's good. It's funny. Yeah. So I don't know. Mixed feelings for sure, but on the whole, disappointed. Well, what's yours? I'm sure I'll agree because most of all the two parters are good. 
Well, mine's not a two-parter. Mine's a multi-part storyline. Oh, line. your little verbiage here. It's very important. Mine is a 10-hour-long nine-parter, which would be uh, the, the final arc of Deep Space Nine. Which we got spoilers for last last episode when you brought Did it we up. spoil it last Well, week? you were debating on whether or not. I could I could tell what was going on. When you were talking to Matt about the best episodes oh. of DS9, you're like, do you count that as one episode? Do you count it as 10 episodes? Sorry. I was like, I know where this is going. Spoilers for myself. From yeah. the past. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, here's the thing about Deep Space Nine, right? I mean, that is a show which I literally think gets better as it goes on. There's some shows where they reach like a peak and then they start to drop off. I think that happened with Next Gen. Season six, I think, is the pinnacle of Next Gen. And season seven, while still really good, it was, you know, a decrease in quality. But Deep Space Nine, I think if you were to look at it, every single season is better than the last. And season seven is amazing. And it's all building up to this thing which had never been done on Star Trek before. And that final arc is just so satisfying and you know we talk a lot about endings to television shows and how hard it is to do and how many finales are just straight up bad and um deep space nine i think is one where the ending is fantastic it's amazing you know star trek on the whole is pretty good at ending shows you know um i mean if you consider undiscovered country to be the ending of the original series then that's perfect if you consider all good things to be the ending of next gen (laughs) (laughs) then that's perfect if you consider you know um end game to be the ending of voyager eh, it's all right eh. if you consider uh these are the voyages to be the ending of enterprise um (laughs) if i were to say that i liked that uh, you know I'm sure that we would get negative feedback. Right? <laughs> One star reviews, but, but I don't. I don't hate it. But whatever. Is it a perfect ending? No. Okay. So, so those two maybe are a little weak. But the ending to Deep Space Nine to say like we're going to take ten episodes and just make these the best ten episodes to end a series. It's a really good idea, right? Yeah. It yeah. it it showed. It's weird because you'd think. That that the shows on the networks would be allowed to do the arcs and stuff, and not the syndicated show where it can be preempted for you know Cubs games and stuff. I think Deep Space Nine really did have the advantage of being the show that nobody watched. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they were off doing their thing, and no one was paying attention to them and what they were doing and their little corner of the Paramount lot was quietly making, at that point in time, perhaps the best television series ever made. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, no one paid attention. No one did, you know, no one, you know, really praised it at the time. No one really watched it at the time. And now here it is, 20 years later or whatever, and people are finally catching up with it and saying, wow, this really is amazing. You know, it's kind of great. I kind of love that. I kind of love everything about that. So, yeah. 
Um, so that's that's my favorite multi-part arc. I mean, the thing about that, the reason why I think I haven't actually talked about the arc right. itself. I was the reason ask, why I what love about the arc. It's because um, what it does is really wrap up everything that's happened over the past seven years. You know, they talk about how they needed that much time to deal with all of the storylines which were going on on the show. And it really is, I mean, to have the foresight to say, like, we're not going to be able to finish this. And also to, you know, basically just not settle for doing random one-offs for, you know, half a year or whatever and until you get to the end and then just do a big finale. But to say, like, this is building towards something. You know, I, I think that that's pretty great. The idea that there is a 10 hour long arc in Star Trek. I, I know that, that that's since been um, bested by Enterprise in terms of in terms of length. But uh, I think that that's pretty awesome. And yeah, I, I it, it's those characters were really the heart and soul of that show. And to see each of them sort of get their moment and for each of them to come to a uh, a satisfying end. I think is fantastic. So yeah. Yeah, I can see that. All right. So now moving on to uh the big screen. Well movies. What would normally be the bulk of discussion because we're <laughs> movie guys. Unfortunately not the bulk. Because we've really you know, for episodes we have like six hundred odd choices. You know, and two part arcs we or multi part arcs we had, you know, twenty per 20 choices maybe maybe more movies we've got four three and a half four and one's directed by Stuart baird so no so you know what three. hey I'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna say this right I, I said that because it was funny or whatever but hey here's the thing i was thinking about this the other day while i was parking my car i don't know why but i did i thought about this um i have seen all of Stuart baird's movies i saw them all in the theater Executive Decision is uh, the first R-rated movie that I snuck into by myself, I guess. You know, second R-rated movie I ever snuck into. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed all of them when I saw them in the theater. Upon revisiting them, they maybe haven't held up. But hey, I cannot say that Stuart Baird is a bad director. Okay? I can't. And he can edit a movie like nobody's business. He's a great editor. Yeah, he can edit the crap out of a movie, literally. Like that's actually <laughs> how he got the job on uh, for Nemesis. Is he edited the crap out of uh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, and Mission Impossible Two? And they're like, "Thanks, Stuart Baird. You want to direct a movie? Like that's literally what happened." <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's an odd reward. So, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. That's why I said I made a joke on Twitter because they're talking about like who's who's they're going to get to direct the new Tomb Raider movie, mm-hmm. and they're like uh, the short list is Catherine Bigelow, Catherine Hardwick, and uh, some other person. I forget who the other person was, some other woman, and I'm like okay. And then you know I said because I always say it, you know, like well Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> should be your first choice, but if he says no, Stuart Baird, right? Because of the thing yeah right but anyway um yeah so i'm not going to badmouth Stuart baird then again i'm also not going to pick nemesis as my movie oh yeah spoilers but what's your movie i i would say i think we have the same movie but i you surprise me a lot 
I, like honestly, in your defense, I was going back and movies. forth on on my movie because of the whole favorite versus best argument and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I I I, I would I'm not sure that it's accurate. Maybe you know me better than I know myself, but I honestly don't know. No, yeah. I think you're going to pick insurrection just so that we all say what, huh? And you'll have some odd off the wall defense of it that only you will agree with. No, uh, I, I will go on record as saying that I think Insurrection is the worst Star Trek movie ever made. Excellent. I agree. Okay. All right. All cool. right. So mine, uh, my pick is First Contact. Uh, it, I did the last time that I watched Generations, I, I did enjoy it when we watched it. I think when we watched it for Earl Grey back at the beginning of the series here. Uh, but. I am going to have to go with First Contact. I don't think I've seen First Contact since my first episode on Trek FM, Ready Room 54. Uh, White Makeup and Motherboards Go, I believe is the is the <laughs> title of it. But it just, I remember it not being, there were a lot of moments where I was like, why do we like this? I think it's because compared to everything else, it's really good but like compared to compared to the next generation movies it's good which is why i picked it but compared to like i don't know it's just too i don't know but i like it but i don't love it but it's the best but it's not my favorite (laughs) okay well you know i don't um I don't like dislike any of the the next generation movies. I, I don't like to, I don't I don't dislike any Star Trek movies, honestly. Right. I think they're all decent. Um but I do think that there it's really kind of a toss up for me between Generations and First Contact because Generations is the movie that got me into movies more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I have like a sentimental attachment to that. And it's almost like a song which uh, has, you know, sort of like sensory memory attached to it where, you know, you you play it and it takes you back to a certain time and place, you know, which is, is really great. And it's a really great time and place. But then once I get back to that time and place, I am also reminded of the first time that I saw First Contact and which was opening night at Oak Brook. Uh, which just reopened, by the oh. way, after like 13 years. Yeah, so I've been getting to go there to see some movies, which is a very interesting experience. It's like living in the 90s all over again. But <laughs> regardless of any of that, um, I, when I'm when I'm back there and I remember that first time that I saw First Contact, I also can vividly remember thinking that it was leaps and bounds better than Generations. And I can't deny that that's the truth. And uh, I, I, I do love that episode as well, that movie as well. Um, yes, I do see the, the logic gaps in it. I, I understand why the, the plot doesn't make any sense. But the same thing could be said for Back to the Future. And um, that's a great movie. You know, it overcomes it. You know, it, it and... It also does it in a way where it doesn't make its uh, logical um, problems obvious. And I think that that's perfectly fine because, you know, there's always, I mean, movies, you know, almost by definition are like 
a facade. You know, they're they're not real, and um, they're just trying to convince you of a reality. And if first contact is doing such a good job with everything else that it's making you ignore or not even see the obvious blatant problems with which exist, then it's doing something right, right? Yeah. So yeah, I guess I have to say First Contact is the best non TOS movie. And I'm and I'm right there with you. Excellent. Excellent. So now the real game begins, as Jim Carrey says in uh, Batman Forever, directed by Joel Schumacher. I'm familiar with it. 1995, the movie that came out in between Generations and First Contact that I was obsessed with, starring Nicole Kidman. <laughs> um, yes. And Tommy Lee Jones. Now, the real... Yeah, he's in it too. He's in it too. Such a missed opportunity. <laughs> regardless, regardless, the real game is beginning, and that is the best non-TOS Star Trek series of all time. So, Drew, what's your pick? All right. Well, I've still got a couple or favorite. I've got Sorry. a couple seasons of Next Generation, a cup and a like a season and a half of of Enterprise. And like five episodes of the animated series. Animated series doesn't count. R- that's true. That's I'm just I'm just talking. I haven't seen everything. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But I have to say that Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek series. Note, I did not say favorite. I also mean mm. favorite, but I also mean best. <laughs> yes. It 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 starts out a little like. To me, the first couple seasons, or at least the first season, is just like, we're not next generation. Look at all the things that we do. You know, we've got Q, and we punch him in the face. You know, we've got, you know, we don't go anywhere. We just stay right here, and the trouble comes to us. And Like, they tried really, really hard to just be not TNG for the first bit. But then, once they're like, oh, let's actually explore the, you know, this gamma quadrant remember this wormhole thing that was so important let's actually like utilize it and once they start doing that and getting their own ship and getting wharf and 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 bringing in like the klingon drama and you know the founders and odo and the bajorans and the cardassians and they really start delving into i mean like all the other series you know it's just like oh here's an alien it's you know goodbye alien we'll see you never you know how many times is in tos and TNG, they run into like, you know, here's these godlike aliens. Nice to meet you. You know, we'll never talk about you again. With with Deep Space Nine, you get like the deep, you know, you learn about at least two or three different alien cultures, like deep delve into them. You know, you know all about the Cardassians, you know all about the Bajorans. You learn a lot about the Car- Klingons, which you thought you already knew a whole bunch about them because of Next Generation. And it's it's got drama, it's got heart, it's got characters. Each one of the characters, even if you hate them at first, uh, you know you grow to like them. And uh, it's just it's so good. And and it's timeless. Like some of the best episodes of it are direct parallels to nine eleven, and nine eleven hadn't happened yet. Like it's it's incredible the the level of of uh, like future. That, that the writers were able to 
predict. I don't know about predict, but just they were able to make something that that's was made for the future in the past and it was not appreciated in its time. But like you said, I think that that really helps it uh, because no one really paid attention to it. So they're able to do whatever they wanted. Yeah, I mean, pretty much everything that you're saying, I agree with 100%, you know. Um, I guess just to add to that, you know, I, I think that, that yeah, I, I, I agree with, with the idea that it originally it was trying to differentiate itself from Next Generation, which I think is really important because Next Generation, you know, while differentiating itself from the original series did so in a different way, it was more of a variation on a theme, whereas this was like we're going to take a look at another part of this universe. We're really going to examine something else from a different perspective, and it's going to be much darker and ultimately have a lot more to say than the previous incarnations of Star Trek had to say. And I think it also does a really good job at sort of um, dissecting that thing which has been built up by the franchise, dissecting, you know, sort of Roddenberry's, you know, uh, perspective on the world and perspective on humanity and really putting it under a microscope in a way that the other series can't, you know, without sort of breaking them. And what you get is not only um, a really interesting take on the franchise, but something which also... Uh, sheds, I think, more light on what you see in the other series. And in addition to that, the idea that you do have this continuity and this continuing uh, storyline and characters and everything which is not present in any other incarnation of Star Trek, really, aside from maybe Enterprise, I think is great. I mean, at the time, television had just been starting to do this for, you know, maybe like five, ten years. And, you know, Deep Space Nine, while still maybe being a little bit behind the curve uh, in, in that regard, was certainly way ahead of the Star Trek curve. And I think that that was pretty, pretty great. You know, I mean, I was starving for stuff like that when when I was uh, watching Star Trek. And to see even just the smallest glimpse of that was was fantastic. And the fact that it had a trajectory and it had um, sort of an ending and it was telling a complete story over the course of the series and not just telling like an anthology series on standing sets, which is what we always hear about with the original series, I think is um, great and sort of speaks to one of the reasons why it is the best series. And uh, yeah, I mean, it really was also sort of a, an environment which in a lot of ways, like the original series tried to do, um, fostered sort of like this, this, uh, this thinking that you could really do anything and you could do the darkest stuff and the funniest stuff and you can put them back to back and it won't break the show. You know, I mean, it's very similar to like the X-Files in that regard. I mean, the X-Files did it masterfully, but Deep Space Nine did too. And, I mean, all of these things, I think, really contribute to it. And, you know, I mean, credit where credit's due, I mean, the, the writing staff on that show in particular, and I mean, it was like a perfect storm of talent, you know? All those guys getting together gelled 
in like this this perfect way it's like a you know a great baseball team which you know when you put them all together i don't they they can go on and win the world series but you know each of them apart is great and you know one of them might hit 50 home runs and one of them might win 20 games but if you put them all together they're going to win the world series and and deep space nine totally won the world series like seven years in a row and uh i mean i think that that's pretty fantastic it's really really special and uh yeah it is definitely the best non-tos series in star trek history and my favorite so cool so there you go that's that so check it out check out those things if if all you've seen is the original series and uh yeah so mike we have an announcement yeah we do um okay this is our 100th episode uh there have been 110 episodes of star trek if you count all of them the original series i'm talking about that that includes the bridge that includes both pilots all the episodes all the animated episodes and the movies and the jj movies yeah right 110 so you know we thought like okay there's a finite amount of stuff to talk about with the original series i guess that could be debated right but for us at least there's a finite amount of stuff to talk about and instead of continuing to drag this on and seeing the quality slowly diminish over time you know we figured we'd go out with a bang we would leave while i I wouldn't i wouldn't say top but you know (laughs) upper middle right sure so um yeah so uh we're leaving yes uh i i've been thinking about it like lost which you haven't finished but you're to the point where they had an end date in mind Uh, season one they had an end date after season okay maybe not there's an episode that my friend just got to in her rewatch where uh, they explained Jack's tattoos and this, the network came to them and said, why did you make this episode? And they said, because we're running on steam here, give us an end date. So they, they had a solid end date that gave them, admittedly, I don't think it gave them enough gumption to actually make things interesting, but it did force them to, okay, we're ending on this date. We need to actually fill this time and have arcs planned and stuff. So that's what we've done. We decided uh, a couple months ago on this, so we've been trying to pack everything full. That's why we've had all these guests and stuff, and we're going to make these last 10 episodes amazing. We're pulling a Deep Space Nine. We're going to do 110 episodes. That's the first thing, right? Okay? Because but there we're going to have 100... a 10-episode arc? Yeah, essentially. Because, <laughs> you know, we, 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 had, uh, we decided on 110 episodes because there are 110 episodes of the original series in some form or another. So we're like, oh, symmetry, that's good, you know? And, and all that stuff. But yeah, we're totally pulling a Deep Space Nine. I mean, we just talked about how those last 10 episodes were amazing and how that they, they they saw the foresight, you know, and didn't try to, you know, cram everything into just a two hour, you know, finale, but they did like 10 hours. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess we're doing that. We have some guests lined up. We've got some ideas lined up and we're, we're going to try to get a few more things. And the plan is to make the, the last 10 episodes of the show the most kick-ass 10 episodes of the show. 
at least for us. But yes, have no fear, because standard orbit is not going away just because we are. No, we 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 were not going to end the show. How could you have a Star Trek network and not have an original series show? You can't. Can't. It doesn't happen. Right. But the thing about these shows is. You know, everyone who listens to them has seen all of Star Trek and they all have their own unique perspectives on Star Trek. And the reason why they listen to these shows is to hear other people's unique perspectives on Star Trek. Right. So as long as you keep on changing the people, there's no reason why these shows can't go on forever, just like Star Trek. Right. Exactly. The new hosts can do 110 episodes with the exact same topics that we did. They can do, and you know, it'd be completely different, right? It'd do one for every single character and everything like that, and it would all be completely different, you know. I mean, they do this; uh, they do it just right now. the The Late Show, right, with Stephen Colbert. Same thing, right? David Letterman leaves, Stephen Colbert comes in. Same thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So we're leaving, but Standard Orbit's not leaving, and and we we wanted to make sure that we had people who were better than us come in oh, yes. to take our place because see that's another thing right and i'm, I'm because i'm i'm at, there's a couple of other shows which i have which are ending and you know it's like going on to the next thing and i've been I'm talking about this a lot it's like i want whatever i do next to be better than what i did before otherwise what's the point and you know conversely here if standard orbit is going to go on with other people They've got to be better people than 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 what exists already, right? Sorry, Drew. I don't mean to, you know. No, it's but... no, no. I agree. All right, cool. <laughs> so we have some other people lined up, and we've got those people right here with us right now. What? Oh my God! What a twist! Surprise and shock. <laughs> so we have the new hosts introducing the new hosts of Standard Orbit, Norman Lau and Jeffrey Harlan. How's it going, guys? Whew, that was some intro. I'm a little, gosh, I usually don't get choked up on the mic so much, but that was, that, that was a very humbling and very welcoming introduction, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank That's, you. That, uh, that was Norman and Jeffrey, just so that people know. Norman, how's it going? Uh, it's, it's great. Uh, it's going great. Um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here on this 10-episode arc to the finale you know, um, I guess we could call this, you know, what you leave behind for you guys. You could. You could. You could. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, you know, our goal, right? Have you guys, I'm sorry. Well, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, I did be before we move on because I want people to be able to distinguish the voices, right? Yes. So, right. so, so Jeffrey, thank you for coming on, on the, the show. Now I know that, that Norman's been doing Warp 5 and you've been hanging out there. I don't know. Are you like officially a host of Warp 5 or just like? So Not officially. Like, I'm like the Shran of Warp Five. I just <laughs> keep showing up. Excellent, excellent. Right. You're, you're you're looking very blue today, um, but yeah, thank you for coming on. You know, welcome officially to the uh, hosting team of of Trek FM, and uh, yeah, thanks for for doing this. That's our pleasure. I've been trying to find ways to. My last name is Lau, and I've been trying to find ways to morph my name into Lau plus Landrus. I think I'm going to go with. <laughs> Loundrew, how's that work? And Jeff, you had a really good one too. Well, yeah, it's it's easy for me because I'm Harlan, and my Twitter handle is Harlander, so Harlandrew. 
So, well, yeah, excellent. We've been excellent. hard at work. We've been hard at work. You don't on this have place. to take my nickname exactly. <laughs> oh. We could just call Harlan Harlan, and then he could be Harlan Ellison, and you'd have to be a lot more cantankerous. There you go. There you I go. don't have the personality to do that. <laughs> Wait until our hundredth episode. Yeah, then we'll see what happens. <laughs> then we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be complaining about Star Trek fans just like he does. It's like, Arr. so you young kids uh, get off my lawn. Now, now, I, you know, I, I do. The, the other thing that 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 uh, Drew and I have planned for these last ten episodes here. Um, do you guys ever see Millennium? Mm-hmm. The yeah, t- the TV show Millennium. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The I also Carter saw show. the movie. Yeah. The movie. Oh, oh, that <laughs> no, movie. movie. Yeah, no, that does, that's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> it's Chris Christopherson. That counts. It always counts when it's Chris Christopherson. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, season two of Millennium is amazing, right? Okay, they brought on. Uh, have you seen it, Drew? I'm sorry. You you told me. You okay. Told me. So they brought they brought on. This Glenn is how he Morgan. pitched it to me. They they brought on Glenn Morgan and, and and James Wong, right? Who you know they're they're the guys who are responsible for like the glory years of X Files and Space they did, Above like, and Beyond. Yeah, and Final Destination and a whole bunch of really good stuff. And uh, they were the guys who ran season two of Millennium, and the ratings were kind of you know not not the best in the world. And there was this plot line which was going on where there was basically a virus which was going to kill everyone on Earth, essentially, right? And the whole big thing is like, how are they going to stop it? And they got to the end of the season and they're like, well, we're going to get canceled. You know, it'd be cool. Let's just drop the virus and uh, kill everyone on Earth. And that's how season two ends. And then they got picked up for season three. And Morgan and Wong were like, all right, cool, Chris Carter. Uh, thanks for the for the fun times, and we will see you later. Have fun figuring out how to continue the series from here. So, our primary goal <laughs> is to make the last ten episodes like the best episodes that we could possibly do. But our secondary goal is to end the show in such a way that it is basically impossible for you guys. <laughs> to move goal. forward with it. So you want to end because with, I think that would be really fun. You want to end with the NX01 in Manhattan fighting space Nazis. I think that would be good. I, I think like that, that would be a good a, a good a good idea, right? I, I like that. Jeff and I can work our way out of that one for sure. Yeah. Better so? that than turnabout intruder. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, this, <laughs> this is true. true. This is true. I mean, do you I, think I you was can... I did consider having our last episode be like our wives. You know, and then <laughs> Just being just them talking Star Trek, that'd be kind of weird. <laughs> that that would be cool, you know. I mean, my wife has very strong opinions about the original series, I have to say, but <laughs> but she hates podcasting, so I don't know. Be interesting, be interesting. Well, I mean, Jeff and I can talk our way out of these are the voyages, so our, our challenge accepted, sirs. <laughs> <laughs> you think you can do a better job than Chris Carter did because season three of Millennium? I mean, that was some weak sauce. Well, it wasn't Chris Carter's finest moment, that's for sure. No, so no. All right, so so uh, as sort of like an introduction, and I know that you guys, once you, you get on, you'll be doing, you know, formal introductions in whichever way you, you choose, but just so that people kind of have a taste of, of what's to come. Uh, Jeff, what is your relationship with Star Trek? I know we had you on to talk about Trekopedia and everything like that, but what is it about the original series that, that you find to be really exciting or that, that, that makes you feel really passionate about this thing? Well, like I said, uh, last time I was on here, uh, I grew up with it. So I'm 
it's it's kind of my go-to whenever I think Star Trek. I think the original series. Um, it's it is Star Trek to me. Um, when you know, I I was ten years old when Star Trek: Next Generation came out. So for you know the first third of my life at this point, uh, going on the first quarter now. Um, but uh, um, you know, for the first ten years of my life. I was, uh, you know, there, that was the only Star Trek. So when I think Star Trek, that's what I think. I grew up idolizing Mr. Spock. I wanted to be him. Um, he, uh, he was, he was the coolest guy that I knew at, you know, as a kid. And, uh, I, I just loved it, you know, and I still continue to love it. Excellent. Excellent. What about for you, Norm? Well, you know, as the saying goes, you know, the first impression is usually the best one. In Star Trek, the original series was the first impression of this universe to me when I was around five years old, six years old. And like Jeff said, it was the only Star Trek out there. And then there was the animated series, but that wasn't quite in the rotation for syndication for me. So every Saturday, as a family, we would watch a rerun of the original series. And there's a lot of nostalgia that's built up in there. There's a lot of emotional connection and content that's built up in there. I've met my best friend for almost over 22 years, you know, since we graduated, since we first met each other as freshmen in college. He and I, to this day, still talk about the original series, and that's the only of the series that he watches. And I've, well, the exception of Enterprise, but I've been working on him really hard to do that. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's whatever you, it's kind of like, um, I'm not the biggest fan of Voyager, not because it's not a good show. I think it's a good show, but it's not the show that I started with. And it's the show that you start with, I think, in the Star Trek universe is the one that you really pour your soul into because you connect with those characters. And what I love about the original series still to this day is that it's the series that I still feel like, even though I know exactly what's going to happen and all the beats of the show and all the history behind it, when I watch an episode, it's still trying. It's still evolving as a show. And it's almost like <laughs> you don't know if they're going to make it to that next mission. You don't you obviously know which red shirt's going to die, but you still kind of like are in that mystery that which one of those guys is going to die. But you've seen them like a billion times, and it's still, I think the entertainment value of the original series is just still there for me. It's, it has such replayable, rewatchable value to this day, um, 30 plus, 35 plus years later. I do appreciate that Hindorf stuck around longer in the the JJ universe than he did in the original. <laughs> yeah, he's still around. He didn't die, did he? He's still um, around, or did he die? He died in on Kronos in the novelization. You just didn't show it okay. on screen. He died so, off camera. Yeah, oh, he got he got a bat left to the to the gut. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. See, they didn't show it to us because we would still be talking about how sad mm -hmm. that is. <laughs> So you guys have been, you know, aware of this for a while now and, and everything. Um, have you kicked around any ideas? You got any any thoughts for, for what you guys want to do with this show here? Well, to just jump in there, um, Jeff and I haven't formally discussed what we want it to be uh, as a format, but I was thinking about this a lot the last couple of weeks, and because the 50th is coming, and because... I was thinking, how do you refresh a podcast that has been covered so well by the both of you, and then also has been, well, the series has been so well covered by Mission Log, what do Jeff and I and our guest stars in the future, what will we be able to bring to the table that is going to be of interest to fans? 
And I think I was thinking about this the wrong way. I was thinking about it in terms of the fans that are here as opposed to the fans that we need to capture because there are still new fans that are coming and watching the original series on a daily basis. And we've met these fans, Jeff and I, you have I met, we've met these fans at conventions. We talk about them as, as their entry point is Axanar or Star Trek Continues or Pacific 201. There are still new fans, 12, 13 years old, 20 years old, that are connecting to the series right now. And I think that that's where we need to be because we're not going to get the 35, 40-year-old, near 50-year-old fans because they have read, you know, all of the books. They, you know, much like we have, you know, they have, you know, poured over every single scrap of video and dialogue on YouTube and all the behind-the-scenes stuff and all the behind-the-behind-the-scenes stuff and everything that Doug Drexler or Michael Kuda or whoever has posted. That's not who we want. We want people that are going to come in and find something fresh and new and exciting to talk about and email us about because they haven't experienced that, like Andy. We need like an army of Andys out there that we're going to preach our word to. And I think that's the direction that we need to go. Cool, cool. You have anything to add to that, Jeff? Well, I uh, I completely agree with Norm on this one. Uh, um, one of those fans who's only just starting to discover the original Star Trek is my wife. Um, she's about halfway through um, the original series. She's seen about half of the animated series and about three of the movies, and that's it. And she's slowly starting to see all this stuff and experiencing it with me for the first time, and I'm seeing it through her eyes for the first time. It's kind of interesting to, to have kind of a new perspective on it that way. And, uh, you know, she, uh, uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. She's started watching it because it's something that I enjoyed. And now she's starting to enjoy it as well as she's been watching it. I think some people were actually on the Babel conference. They were talking about how they got interested in the animated series because we always talk about yesteryear. Mm -hmm. And then that, that becomes an entry point, and that's where we have to be really flexible in terms of our content, where we can allow these people to find and focus on those entry points. I mean, Star Trek, I can't do it as good as Chris does it. Star Trek Beyond <laughs> is going to be a huge entry point. <laughs> it's going to be a huge entry point for people because it's a theatrical release. It's very exciting. It's a theatrical release that's going to be happening around the 50th anniversaries. Um, as the 50th anniversary kicks into high gear around like the what midfall ish, um, it's supposed to come out at the end of July now. Okay, so yeah. early fall, like late, yeah. uh, late Q, yeah. early Q3. And the 50th is on the the you know September 8th. So. Yeah, right. So there's going to be a lot going on. I mean, right now, Star Trek itself as a property is being severely eclipsed by what's happening with Star Wars. Rightfully so, because Star Wars is is right now it's it's the hottest thing on the planet. Because the new movies, all the merchandising, Disney's marketing is is flawless. It's without peer. But I do believe when Star Trek rolls around, probably around March, April, May next year, we're going to see a lot more uptick in the promotion. Um, you know, the the new uh, the new costumes book is out or coming out. the The autobiography of James T. Kirk is out. I sure hope Shatner reads it because I will buy a billion of those and give them away as just whatever. Because it's <laughs> on the Shatner. street. Yes, yeah, right. Norm this. on the street. I think he's only read one CDs. chapter so far that he did at a convention. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? <laughs> so, and there's going to be a lot of that, folks. Except I'm just warning Norm you right rated. now. This is this is what's going to happen. I love 
talking about Shatner like Shatner. So <laughs> it's been, that, it's been a there you time. go. That's how many chapters are in that book. There's your content that, right that there. That was three you chapters read, right there. You read all the chapters, <laughs> you know, one chapter per episode, make your own audiobook. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's um it's going to be really exciting uh, around that time and I think a lot of people are just going to they're going to refresh their love with the series. They're going to refresh their love with all the characters. I know that there are going to be those pockets of fans that will never be happy with it. That's fine. That happens with every franchise. And I can accept that. And I want those people to call in. I want those people to write in and say, like, this is my problem with this. Or why did they go this way? Or why did they go that way? Because it opens up the conversation. The last thing that you want is just to have a period, the end conversation because it goes nowhere. You know, and yeah. you want to be able to have all these different viewpoints perpetuate what we're talking about. Because if we don't do that, we're not doing this. And this is the best thing to do about Star Trek, I think. It's certainly up there. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Well, um, before we let you guys go, you know, where can people find you over the next three months? You know, if they want to get a little, a little taste of what's to come, you know, Jeff. Uh, um, well, I'm frequently on uh, Warp 5. Uh, I, I think I've been on most of the Warp 5s for the last few months. Um, also on the Babel Conference all the time posting. Uh, I'm on uh, the Axonar fan group uh, posting on there as well. I, Like I mentioned, I have a Twitter. Harlander is my user, username. And I've also got uh, um, Trekopedia that we've talked about. Uh, several times, uh, trekpedia.com. Um, and I've got uh, my comic books that I do as well. I'm still trying to finish working on my fifth issue right now. Um, I just haven't had a whole lot of time recently with everything going on. Um, but uh, I'm hoping to get that finished pretty soon. I've just got a few pages left to draw on that one. And uh, yeah, that's at uh, bandwidthcomics.com. And that's also on Facebook too. Excellent, excellent. What about you, Norman? Well, on the network, you can find me at Warp 5. I'm co-hosting that show with Will Wynn, who was also our content manager there. And you can find me on the Babel Conference. A lot of people know that I post there you know, semi-frequently because it's what we love to do. We love continuing that conversation on the Babel Conference. And we have the best fans there in the known galaxy and beyond. And you can find me supporting Axonar, the uh, Alec Peters project uh, that is also on Facebook. And Jeff and I are really paired really well uh, to be the you know to take over as the new host for the show because he and I share a lot of similar interests we're a lot we're on the same boards we I mean we chat almost every day with Warp 5 content and you can also find me here as an executive producer for Trek FM and um just one last thing to say I'm not sure if you guys can can see this you can't obviously you can't see this on 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 screen but I'm like vibrating with excitement <laughs> I am so and I, I'm just going to take a, get a real personal moment here. I'm so beyond excited to take over for you guys because you guys have done a tremendous job for the network. You, you know, you've, you've brought in so many fans and the fans love you. And I know that they're going to miss you tremendously. And we, Jeff and I, can only hope to do as good of a job, if not better, than you guys have done because it's not an easy thing what we've done, what you've done with 110 episodes or will be 110 episodes. That's a very difficult thing to do in podcasting. And I congratulate both of you guys for it. And I thank you very much. Well, thanks, Norm. Oh, yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah. 
but we're sure that you're up to the task, you know. And I mean, yeah, I guess that's the other thing that we didn't really, you know, mention is that, you know, the two of you are friends beyond this, right? I mean, it's not like two people who are just thrown together because, you know, whatever, they're both podcasting or whatever, but it's like you guys know each other in real life and stuff. I was terrified, terrified <laughs> of Jeff's knowledge of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I think we've Me known too. each other. I what, think about, everyone uh, is, right? I mean, okay. it is really terrifying. Yeah, we met where, Jeff? And uh, we went... Uh, uh, Dice House, I think. Yeah, we were both, yeah. we're both gamers. And yeah. Jeff and I started talking, and then one of his friends says, don't, don't start him on Star <laughs> Trek. <laughs> and I said, I immediately knew that I would like this guy, because in Star Trek fans, there's almost um, a certain vetting that goes really instantly. And mm-hmm. we start talking that, that language that we have. And I it's love called it. It was Klingon. magic when that happened. Yeah, it is. That's right. Yeah, and so. a couple of years ago, I, I ran a, a Star Trek RPG uh, session for a while. Um, oh, cool. At the, uh, the, the game store that we go to. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. You guys met at a game store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What a bunch of nerds! I know it's, right. it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe with uh, with all that we talk. I mean, you know, it's not like it, we. It would have been harder to believe if we meant like it, like knitting circle or you know baking bread or. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. There's nothing wrong you with know. either of those things. No, not at all. Yeah, first time I met Drew was at a, a knitting. Oh no, no, you, we met at a pizza place beforehand. Right. I was going to say yeah. after that it, it would have been. It a, was a fabric, a fabric store. store. Yeah. <laughs> You can find me at the fabric stores too, because I got to get the material for the monster maroons I'm making. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Are you guys gonna wear those like every episode? Well, you, like if uh, I'm, I'm making, uh, I, I'm making a set. No for, one can see you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm making a set for myself and my wife. Um, nice. And, uh, um, I don't know if we're gonna have them finished for Halloween this year. We've been trying to get them made for a couple of years now, but. Uh, my goal is to have them finished by time of the 50th. Excellent. If, Excellent. if we yeah. don't have them finished by Halloween, have them finished by the 50th. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to add? Anything you guys want to want people to know before, before we depart here? Well, I just want to like let everyone know that's going to be listening to us in the future that we're going to do our very best. And we, we encourage participation because without your feedback, we don't know how we're doing. And we want to make sure that we're bringing you the best content possible. Let us know what your ideas are ahead of time, because you're going to be hearing this obviously before we start. So if there's something that you would like to see covered, let us know. If there's something that's like, say we're, you know, we've heard this so much, we'd like to go this direction. Just let us know. I mean, we, we love input. We love hearing from the fans. It's, it's because of you, the fans, that, that we have such a good of a time doing what we do at Trek FM, not just on this show, on all of our shows. So please interact with us here online on the Babel Conference and let us know what we can do better for you. Yeah, it's really true because, you know, um, it's like we, 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 we have listeners, of course, but you see numbers or whatever and you think like, well, obviously someone just at one point subscribed and then, you know, they forgot and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you get that one that one email or that one voicemail or someone who's like, hey, I listened to your show. And you're like, wait, what? Someone listened? I can't, <laughs> you know, and it really, it really makes you feel good. And, you know, the whole point of this is to, you know, start a conversation. I mean, Drew and I have had all of these conversations uh, off mic already. And I'm sure that, 
you know, the two of you have had all of the conversations that you're going to have off mic already. You know, the only reason why we're putting this on on wax, as they say, mm-hmm. is so that other people can hear it. And we want to hear what they have to say about what we have to say. We want to start the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, feedback, you know, even if it's just a little, you know, a little tweet or something like that. It, it really means a lot to us. So, yes, please. Let us know what's going on and and let them know what you want them to do. You know, let them know what we did wrong so that they don't make our mistakes. Who am I? Don't you know? Aren't you our fans? So, <laughs> so yeah. Sorry, I'm, that's that. That just it's just going to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll make my apologies up front. There's no so, need to apologize. You know, yeah. William Shatner yeah. is the best. Sometimes you're just overcome with the Shatner. I am. I am. It's the Shatner moves me. I'll put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I will buy that t-shirt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, visually, I'm getting this whole moment, like, in Star Trek Six, where Spock says, you know, um, you know, I intend for you to replace me, and you're holding this cup out to us, to Jeff and, to Jeff and <laughs> Could only succeed you. <laughs> yeah. So. I do, uh, n- none of the listeners can see, but I do have that painting of uh, Adam and Eve being uh, kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Logic. Do you have that Logic. for real? No, I don't Logic. have that for real. <laughs> oh, God, because you I can't would play it, along like, for anything, like can thing, you? Okay, God. I'm just saying. Like, because I don't know then, if we can last like, two thought, more episodes. We're going to need look, Aaron to Photoshop that onto your wall <laughs> for you. I, I thought that you were kidding, but then I started thinking, like, if I can actually get that thing <laughs> up on my wall, I'm totally getting that. Like, do they sell that on Think Geek or something like that? Because I, I want it one would of be those, awesome. right? It would be awesome. That yeah. would go really well with the poster I got at the Justice League right over there on my wall. Yeah. Yeah. See, I believe that. The, the poster of the, the Aries League. that I got on the other wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, want, I mean, you could get the, 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 the painting from Adama's you know, yeah. ready room or whatever I've seen the original. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Alec Peters, I was hoping uh, them move to Aries Studios' current location. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, they had some really cool stuff there, like uh, Captain America's shield, Loki's helmet, the painting. The Ark of the Covenant. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the models from Wolf 359. Um, Jeez. That, that was one of the my favorite moments from um, Vegas was when I, I went into uh, their 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 room where they were doing oh, their yeah. auction, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, look at this stuff. And we're just looking around and we're like, this is amazing. This is the most amazing stuff. And then there's the thing where next door they had like the official museum with all the official CBS sanctioned props. And it's like, if this is just the stuff that they're selling, I can't wait to see what's in this room. <laughs> and then we go into the CBS room and it's like, there's like a shirt and like a like a pair of, ears and it's like really yeah <laughs> all right yeah alex alex yeah. prop work uh his warehouse is it's impressive it's, it's impressive it's it's staggeringly impressive it's um, they even had the little onesie uniform from when harry kim got turned into an infant oh my god oh that's so cute oh, i want that why doesn't bad. think geek make that huh come on guys or a novos or something mm-hmm. i'll have to let's send you guys uh i'll have to send you guys this. a picture i'll have to dig it up but um there was another He's moved in a couple stages, and the only thing that I was able to get my hands on um, was holding Shatner's Star Trek the Motion Picture uniform. Oh, oh wow! His I mean, junk it was, it was, touched that. It's, <laughs> <laughs> too obviously. It's like one of those things where, you're like, mm, 
Yeah, I I got yeah. I I was right up there. They had that hanging up uh, when I was over there, and uh, yeah, you could even see the sweat stains. It's crazy. It's <laughs> it, it's crazy. That brings your fandom right to the surface. Yeah, I know when some people say that that's just kind of like meters of cloth to some people, but for Star Trek fans like we, that is history, right there. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's like they talk about in First Contact. There's really something to be said for that, you know, mm-hmm. when they're touching the 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 rocket, you know. And and Data's like, what, I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense to me. Data's totally wrong. And yeah. that's why I think Jeff and I are still fans of the original series because it is. It's still our history. It's our history. It's our life history wrapped up in a TV show. It's not, you know, Shatner said this in 1986 on Saturday Night Live. It's just a TV show, damn it. It's just a TV show. But I know he was doing that tongue in cheek. But it really is more than that to a lot of us. And not just this show, but other shows too. It's what you emotionally attach to that allows you to anchor yourself in parts of your life. Some of them were great. Some of them were okay. And some of them, these shows got you through. I've, I've heard so many stories about not, not just this series in particular, but other series, not just Star Trek, that allowed people to connect with the characters and allow those characters to become not just friends, but that force that gets them through the day, that gets them through the week, that gets them through the year, that gets through the tough times. Families get ill. They're going through a bad divorce. They're going through something with their children. They know that they can go back to that show and that show will take care of everything at least for an hour. And that's why these are important. That's why these shows are important to perpetuate the conversation because somewhere along the line, someone else is going to need this. And from our experience to their experience, that's how this is all connected. And it's so important to maintain that with a podcast like this. Yeah, and not not even just, you know, it's not just a coping mechanism either. It's also like in, in a lot of ways, like a moral compass for people, you know? I mm-hmm. mean, people like like you guys who grew up with it since, you know, birth, it's like you whether or not it's intentional or whatever, you end up sort of like assigning your personal values to what you saw on the series, you know, and, and that's, it, it basically, I mean, in a lot of ways it, it made us who we are today, which is crazy. I, I mean, sure, most I, television shows, you can't say that about. I sure wish I started with Space Seed, say, and, and <laughs> it's a, instead of say like Balance of Terror, because Balance of Terror taught me nobility, Space Seed would have taught me how to become a genetic superhuman. So <laughs> that would have, that would have been cool, you know? Yeah. But then, you know, I mean, that Space Seed also ends with you being marooned on a planet, right? Yeah, but you know, it, it just so many years later, I'm going to come bad. back. You know. <laughs> yeah, but for like like a week, you know, and then you're going to blow up, you know, trying to kill your enemy. But then I'm going to become Spoilers. an expert at Shakespeare. So, or, or I'm sorry, at Melville. So, <laughs> well, I guess or both. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, well, it's better right. than going to that planet when you're on the run from the Zindi. <laughs> no, that's true. That's, that's true. true. That's yeah. true. I don't even get that reference. Uh-huh. See, that's why you guys are going to be better than us because your knowledge of Star Trek is way more thorough than ours, you know. And and I think that there's there's a lot of listeners who will appreciate that. Yeah, that was like. uh, that was a nice little reference to the original series they threw into an episode of uh, Enterprise. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for taking over our yes, show. Thank you. you know, and uh, yeah, we we look forward to hearing from you. I know, I know, I, I don't know if you're going to listen. Yeah, I will. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna totally oh, yeah. listen. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I don't even listen to our show now. So, I mean, it's going to be like a new experience. I'm going to have to add a podcast to my uh, Stitcher uh, favorites. So thanks, guys. We really do appreciate it. And we're really glad that uh, we're leaving the show in such capable hands. Uh, thanks for having us aboard. That was really great having Norm and Jeff on. I'm really grateful to them that they uh, volunteered to take on this blessing. <laughs> or curse, depending. I. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is really, really great that they were, they were willing to do this because, you know, I mean, we, we wanted to make sure that the show was going to be in good hands. And, you know, I think that this is a a situation where it's good for everyone, right? You know, right. It's better for me. It's better for you. It's, it's better, better for them. them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, it's 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 like they get to talk about it. They're going to be passionate about it and everything. And um, we get to sort of step back, you know, as, as Larry. And enjoy it as an outsider. Yeah. And the listeners get a fresh perspective and they get a couple people who have, you know, a, a, a very you know, large knowledge of the subject and also uh, are enthusiastic because they're just starting up, you know? Yeah. Whenever I listen to like podcasts from like five years ago when I was starting to to podcast, I'm always um, amazed at how excited i was to talk about whatever it was we were talking about you know and i'm like how come i'm not that enthusiastic anymore i i, I you know sometimes i guess you just get burned out right right but regardless well, yeah regardless it was fun not talking about tos today which is what everyone else on the network does so here's a look around the network to see what else you may have missed Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. You did good, Captain Kirk. Is oh, he in that last shot or not? Yes, is. he is. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. Oh, wait so, a minute. So, so okay, the, wait. Did I they like pull the a weekend theories. at Bernie's or something? Like, they just hold him up there, know. you know? He's okay. Well, it's cool. Earl Grey. Daddy, do pets have a Nexus 2? <laughs> the Pexus. Kirk had a, a dog in the Nexus 2, didn't he? Oh, uh, Butler. Butler. Butler is now <laughs> Shadow. So we have the adventures homeward bound of Butler, Porthos, and Spot. Will they make it back to their owners in Montana? The orb. Well, apparently, and did you find this interesting, Matthew? Apparently, the Navark reports directly to the prophets. Which is awkward because they don't always show up for meetings. So, right. yeah. Plus, you never know what time the meeting is really going to be, right? That is true. It could have been yesterday and you might have missed it. The ready room. Do you think this episode would have been so popular and remain a fan favorite if the Enterprise had been overrun with zebra mussels? <laughs> <laughs> to the journey! It's, it's so average American. It's like Joe Smith. And no offense to Joe Smith, it's just, I could have tried a little harder. I mean, come on. Might as well call her Jane Doe. So far, not off to a good start. So far, I'm judging you, Shark. Give me a moment. Give me a moment. Commentary, Trek stars. And I remember like being like in midair having this conversation with his brother and saying this could be the best star trek ever and then just like landing on the ground is it a metaphor for how you feel about voyager as a series no comment 
the 602 Club. The young adult novels have their own um, framing devices that tie in to The Force Awakens. And I think that if they had uh, put those front and center, maybe even expanded one of them uh, or what have you, I think that would have served the strategy better. I definitely do. Literary treks. Well, that really is the bottom line, you know. And and I think it's particularly uh, difficult with this group of characters because in some ways you're looking at folks who literally are the brightest and the best, right? So in some ways we need them not to have feet of clay. We need them to be so much better and stronger than we are so that we have something to shoot for. Women at Warp. There's always a touchstone, and this was as close to a touchstone as they ever got with Pulaski. Plus she banged Riker's dad. (laughs) Oh, Andy. I'm sorry. I just think it's so funny. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You find them on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. If you'd like to contact us and share your thoughts, like your uh, maybe your goodbye messages, uh, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. Or good riddance messages. Uh. <laughs> you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use a tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? You can find me right here on the network still doing commentary Trek stars. Uh, we got a little more than one more season uh, with that. And, you know, this this week, actually, we do talk about the original series quite a bit. Uh, we talk about Robert Block um, and his work on the original series, as well as Joseph Stefano and his work on Next Generation. So if you want some uh, in-depth coverage on what are little girls made of and Cat's Paw and um, Wolf in the Fold, head on over there and check that out. It's pretty interesting. Um, And then you can also find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com doing Commentary Trackstar Babies. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005-D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E and on various other places around the network. So before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have a book called Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The Legends of the Ferengi, which was written by Ira Stephen Bear, uh, the, the showrunner of Deep Space Nine, and Robert Hewitt Wolf, who was also a writer on the series and is narrated by Armin Shimmerman. Audible says, Once you have their money... You never give it back. Anything worth doing is worth doing for money. For centuries, these and other famous Ferengi rules of acquisition have been the guiding principles of the galaxy's most successful entrepreneurs, but the wisdom behind them was not one without a high cost in lives and latinum. Now, at last, these inspiring tales of avaricious 
Ferengi wrestling monetary gain from the jaws of poverty are available to the profit-hungry across the galaxy. So this is, I'm going to say, canon, since those dudes basically created the Ferengi as we know them today. Um, So that just adds to our favorite non-TOS series. (laughs) And you can get it for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts for being our associate producers this week by supporting us on Patreon. You can find Richard on Twitter at RUT8972 and Renee at MRES underscore 1701. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hopefully, after this episode, you're not going to be like, what? I'm out of here. Yeah, but there are paying customers. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, if you want to help join them in keeping us in orbit... You can also support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as associate producer in our show. You'll find out where the donations can go on the site, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. All right, next week, since we've got everything planned ahead, and we know yeah. that our fans like hearing what's coming up. Yeah. Next week, Cushman. Back again. Book four. Book preview. four. To tell you what happens after the original series. Yeah, and, 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 and this is sort of like a thing, right? Like, if you look at our last ten episodes, there is definitely sort of a phase two vibe to them. Because yeah. Standard Orbit is entering phase two. So we're going to be talking a lot about that Phase 2 era. So we've got some cool guests lined up. And first, Mark Cushman. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So everybody, thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.